This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast for myself, Ross and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, gents, it's been a pretty eventful 48 hours, hasn't it? But um, how are we all doing? Uh, Joe, how, how's your day been? Yeah, decent, thanks. It's it's certainly been a an interesting uh, 48, well, basically since the weekend. It's just been a really eventful few days and uh, there's plenty for us to get stuck into. Yeah, there's been plenty of positive and negative news, I suppose, eh? And uh, Ross, I'm sure you've, uh, like me and Joe, had a pretty eventful sort of past few days. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting watch to uh, watch it all unfold, but uh, let's get stuck into it, really. Yeah, I wanted to bring up a few topics before we got into like the proper Shrewsbury game. Obviously, we had the really positive news about... Uh, the potential of us returning to the stadium uh, in the near future, which is obviously really, really good news as, you know, we've been dying to get back for absolutely months now since we've been in, put in several lockdowns. And um, hopefully we can, you know, get to that tier one level as soon as possible and we can all uh, get back to Stadium MK and watch this team who are, you know, going through a transition period at the moment. And, you know, we are seeing good signs from them, despite what some people may say about how they're playing. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to get back to you boys, hopefully. So that'll be a good day. Eh? We might actually be able to do a pod in person at some point. I know, that'll be, that, so that'll be an exciting moment, won't it? Bloody hell. Um, oh, and, and of course, um, obviously me and me yourself, Ross and Jonathan spoke about uh, a bit more negative news, but regarding the free, the free counties radio uh, sort of commentary. And um, unfortunately that kind of got brought up last night by a lot of people. Um, and I don't know, I don't want to bring it too much, but it kind of personified everything we spoke about uh, what I did and last night's commentary. So 
if you want to go listen back to that episode of regarding episode 15, uh, you can do. Um, obviously, it spoke about a lot on Twitter last night and, um, you know, they've apologised for what happened, which is, you know, fair play. And hopefully they can, um, you know, correct their actions and maybe not uh, try and get behind the team a bit more than they have been. And um, hopefully we can get on the right page. So, yeah, um, so we've mentioned about the event for the past few days and last night's game definitely played into that. Of course, we drew 2-2 at home to Shrewsbury. Um, a lot of people saw it as a negative result and on the phase of things, I definitely agree. You know, we spoke about on the pod on episode 15 how really I was more worried about us not executing our game plan than I was about Shrewsbury actually winning the game. And that kind of proved to be right. Um, we were pretty poor from the off, uh, probably the worst we've seen us this season, maybe under Russ Martin in general. Um, but I thought the boys reacted well, um, got something out of nothing in my eyes and really, you know, to get anything from that mess of a performance in the first half was a result, in my perspective. Um, XG perspective, I know we had some few comments about people not understanding what XG actually means. Um, so expected goals in general is, you know, based off how you're performing, how likely, like, for example, a shot is of going in, that generates like an XG number. So say, obviously, if you score a goal, then your XG is going to fly up for like 0 0.4 or 0 0.5. But it's all about measuring quality of chances and how likely you are to score. So, for example, the XG numbers for Milton Keynes donned last night was 0 0.9. Of course, we scored twice, meaning we outperformed our XG. And um, Shrewsbury did the same. They scored twice and got 1.4 XG. So, based on those numbers, we kind of saw how you know, both teams worked really great going forward. And therefore, you know, the score didn't really reflect the game too much. And maybe a 1-1 score might have been more reflective. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll try and get a bit better at explaining data we talk about because I know we've received a few comments regarding that and, you know, we're all about educating you guys and hopefully that, you know, you can take it into account. Um, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on uh, last night's game against Shrewsbury Town? After the game, um, I, I, if you told me we would have got a draw out of Shrewsbury, I would have said um, it's not good enough, but Considering we went down 2-0 uh, in the first 60 minutes, um, I thought, yeah, three, uh, three points dropped. But I feel like Russ deserves a lot more credit than what he's getting from the fans, especially because of there was so much negativity uh, amongst social media last night. And uh, in the sense of, yeah, we have dropped two points as such for the game, but it's a point gained in my eyes, as, you, as you've said, Liam in the sense of um, we, we deserve nothing out of that game. But I do feel that rotation played its part in last night's game um, in certain individuals coming in. Obviously, Cargill, for starters, in that back line. Um, I won't pinpoint, just pinpoint him out. Um, I felt the balance in midfield, it wasn't there with Sermon. So we had that's why we brought Kasumi on, to uh, have a holding player. And it worked for a team. But I just feel like in that first half, I think Shrewsbury had one shot on target and that went in. So if we stopped that, that would have changed the whole game in my eyes. Um, but we move on. We've got applause the substitutions, um, which were made. But overall, I feel, I feel as I said, it's a point gain instead of two points dropped. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, if we're going to reflect on it, from maybe my example of an XG perspective, like 
yeah, the first half was shocking. We didn't create any chances, and I believe that was reflected in the numbers. And then, obviously, as the game went on, we had more shots. We got more into the game. And then, you know, our XG climbed up and up and up, as you can see from the time maps we kind of tweeted out earlier, or last night, I should say, sorry. And, um, yeah, we got to that 0.9 figure. Um, Millie doesn't reflect... It reflects a poor performance going forward, and that's what it was. But as you said, Ross, like, I think if you had offered us a point after being 2-0 down with half an hour to go, I, I would have bought your hand off for that, 100%. Like, we were playing so poorly. And um, as you said, you know, we'll go, we'll go more in depth on the substitutions, but those two, two substitutions in particular really changed the game for us. Um, Joe, why don't you give us your, like, generalised thoughts on how uh, the game went last night? Yeah, I, I think it... You, you can't get a more truer game of two halves. I find I feel that the first half was probably one of the worst halves we've had. Maybe uh, the crew one. Um, but the thing is, what caused that, what caused it was another early goal. And I just, I feel I've got to question sometimes what, what is causing that? Because we're, we're, you know, we're in their half, we give the ball away and within 10 seconds, it's in the back of the net, and and uh, you know it's just it's just sloppy, and it's it's us shooting ourselves in the foot again. It's not the fact that we've been played off the park. It's not the fact that they've created twenty chances and they've taken four. You know, it's it's not that at all. They had some bright moments. They scored two goals, which are offside, but you know they're offside, so you know it doesn't count. But it's. You, you know, the, every time they got the ball, they had the belief because that as soon as that first goal went in, we we, we looked shell shocked. We just didn't react, and like 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 Russ said, you got to credit Russ because he, he 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 changed the game and he turned it into the game that we wanted it to be. And again, it's another excellent fight back <clears throat> from a losing position. And I, I was looking at at some uh, uh, um, some figures and. We've gone behind. Uh, we we have conceded the first goal eleven times, and we've actually equalised sixty uh, percent of the time that we've gone behind. And that you know it just shows that we've got fighters in the group. You know it's good to see we've got fighters. We we got a point out of what looked like a highly dire situation, but at the end of the day, you look at you look at the 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 result after the game, and you think really should be doing better than that at home to teams like teams around us in the league really should be doing better however we just shot ourselves in the foot again due to individual mistakes it, it we Shrewsbury didn't gain a point out of the game we we dropped two it, it was our, our own doing yeah 100% Shrewsbury were not a good football team I'm sorry like pe- people were I think sometimes trying to credit Shrewsbury performance they were terrible like, I don't understand how you could see anything from their performance and think they deserve what they were the point. Even even if they had three points, it would have been a complete robbery, to be honest. And as you said, Joe, yeah, we, we, it's our own downfall pretty much. And we had to, as usual, fight our way back into a game. And luckily we got something. Um, but yeah, I and, think. And, go on, carry on. Oh, so, sorry, ju- just on the, the point where I was saying about it, it's us shooting ourselves in the foot, it's. It, it was the same on Saturday, and uh, and it it was three really avoidable goals. What a set piece across, and uh, just just not closing down. And it, it's you know you say it's basics, but it, it's just I, I just don't know what what is causing it. And 
And if we're getting outplayed and they're in, the, the players ending up with a tap-in at the end because they've gone through, got behind us and cut it across goal, fair enough. They've outdone us there. And you need to look at you need to look at that and how you're going to tweak it and stop the balls getting in those areas. The balls aren't necessarily getting into the most dangerous of areas, but we're, we're just gifting opportunities to individual players are gifting opportunities to to, to, to our opponents, and it just really does not help when every game we're basically starting at, at one 0 down. Yeah, we play such a high risk style of football that if you've got individuals like you said, Joe, making mistakes, uh, you're going to be punished and. Funny enough, our opponents on Sunday um, play a similar style of football, which we'll get onto, and they, they're finding that same sort of problems at the moment. And um, it's going to be an interesting game. I'll it's all incoming. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Um, okay, so let's crack on with the game. Um, we're starting off with the whole team selection, and uh, obviously some no- notable names in like Livington and Kasumi were left out of the squad initially. And I don't think it was due to performance at all. I think it was just rotating players and resting some players. But Joe, I know you wanted to uh, you have some particular opinions on one certain player. So you might as well kick it off with us and let us know what you think. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to just say, I, I think Lewington and Kasumu, for me, if they're 100% fit, they start every game. And I think that the, both of them are so important with what we do with Lewington and his ability to play out from the back. And Kasumu, we saw when he came on, his ability to just turn turn a player really easily in midfield and just distribute to a player that's going to be going to make something happen. Uh, I think Sorensen and Cargill came in and Cargill at the start of the season, Russ, he, he, he said he's, he's really liked how Cargill's improved. He's knuckled down and I, I wasn't Cargill's biggest fan, but I was more than willing to give him another chance. And I feel, I feel, I feel we, we, we lack depth at centre-back and I feel that it's, I feel that just Cargill just maybe just isn't up to it. I, f- I was having a look at the games he started this season. We haven't actually won a game where Cargill has started, including last night. We've drawn two and lost four of them. Um, we've scored seven and conceded 12 in that time. Uh, that's a points per game of, well, t- if you're getting two points every six games over a season, you're getting less than 20 points. It, 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 and when Cargill has not been in the team, we've got a record of... Uh, three wins three draws and only the two defeats in that time we've scored nine and conceded seven and over a season you'd be getting over 50 60 points which is a pretty respectable rate and it's hard to just label that as a coincidence Cargill started against crew he started against Oxford he started in games where we've struggled and I, I, I just feel part of our the key aspect, one of the key aspects of our game is the centre-backs retaining the ball, creating overloads, causing players to come onto them, but then quickly distributing the ball to our midfield players and them having space in behind. And I feel that yesterday he gave the ball away so cheaply and it, it I think it's lucky it wasn't more costly. I was looking at the pass percentages from some of our centre-backs. Keo, he's in the 90s. Louis, 86. O'Hora, just over 90 Williams 87 Cargill was around I think he was around 75 last night now it doesn't sound like that drastic but when you've got 100 touches of the ball a game and 25 of them are to the opposition that's a huge number that's 25 chances for the opposition to break and they did that countless times um I feel Sorensen I feel he just he just 
I think it was more the absence of Kasumi rather than Kasumi uh, rather than Sorensen himself just playing awfully. And I feel, I feel that it, I don't feel he's an or I don't feel he's a bad player at all. But I just feel that it, he had a, a pretty bad game last night. I don't, and I just feel that because it really showed the difference when Kasumi came on and and almost plugged that hole. Um, but what do you guys think about? I, I was seeing last night about. Uh, some people were commenting on uh, Keo's performance. Uh, what, what, Ross? What did what did you make of Keo's performance last night? Yeah, it's it's a. I just can't. He's a bit of a scapegoat at the moment. All of our fans are digging him out for um, individual errors. Yes, he should have uh, closed down his man a lot quicker because his man was um, charging at him on the edge of the D. But I feel like. I said this last episode, once he makes a mistake, he's punished for it all the time. And as I said earlier, they've had one shot on target and they've scored from it. And that could that just changes the whole game. But I feel to uh, narrow him, him out in that defence is an absolute shambles, if you ask me. And all these fans which are digging at, at him, um, more for them. And I've, I've got no sympathy for them, really, in the sense of Keo single-handedly... Um, Gelled that back line together since the start of the season. Yeah, we, we're, we're going for a rough patch now. But last night, he was getting interceptions. He was winning all of his ground duels. Um, I can't actually remember what um, how many he actually had last night. But, um, yeah, from the top of my head, he was an absolute unit part of that goal, that mistake. But as for blaming him for the second goal... Um, I've looked it back on it now and I've realised who's at fault and um, it's Mr. Reliable, Bailey Cargill. Reliable for errors. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he, draw, he draws out his man and Keo's um, chasing. So um, he, he couldn't track the runner at the end of the day, but um, I feel like he's turning a bit of, sca- a, bit of a scapegoat and I'm, I'm not liking it at all. One thing just to what you said there, Ross, you mentioned about how we got, we're going for a rough patch and you'd have thought that if you looked at social media, but uh, Martin Atherton, who, who's uh, been on the pod before, he he posted a graphic in the last six games. Well, I think we're ninth in the form table. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. It, you'd have thought yeah. we'd in, we'd, we were in absolute chaos and dire straits, but we're ninth in the form table. And I'm pretty sure if, you know, <laughs> and it, it's no coincidence that once we've got the best players playing and we're not rotating we put in great performances and you know it, I just I just find it baffling that it seems all doom and gloom yet we're again we're ninth in the form table yeah I, I mean I, I individual think... performance more than anything yeah I, I don't like seeing that individuals typically but I mean Bailey Cargill last night bloody hell man like it, it's really he it, had a difficult game didn't he I think it's a nice way of putting it he, he just didn't suit that role at all. He looked like he'd come back from a long-time injury or something, and this is his first game back. Um, he didn't look yeah, up really speed, missed... yeah, you're right. No, he didn't. He really didn't at all. And it's like he, yeah, it's like he'd been off for months and not played football. And, um, yeah, I mean, people are blaming Keo. I don't know what games they're watching, to be honest. I really don't. That first goal, he was basically last man standing. So what's he meant to do? Like, try and take him out and get a red card? Like, in I, I appreciate into the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I appreciate maybe you could have closed him down, but end of the day, you're 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 trying to predict something that hasn't happened yet, and 
it's difficult for me to him for him to come out of that shadowing role to try and you know take him on because as I said, like he could have easily got a red and then then you're up against it for the whole game rather than just that first thirty seconds. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, Ross, Car- it was it was Cargill's fault that second goal. Uh, um, and for to be honest, the majority of the defensive problems last night, unfortunately, were due to Bailey. Um, and I'm hoping that Louis come back in on Sunday and against Ibarnet, who are going to be quite a pass-heavy team by the sound of it, and are going to want to try and pick us out for a high high pressing style. So, gents, um, we put a tweet out earlier about how we've conceded 10 goals this season just from league games alone in the opening 15 minutes of matches. Now, just for context, that is the highest in the league by some margin. I believe Plymouth and Portsmouth are the next highest with five joined each. Um, So that just shows how bad this has become, essentially. And, and, you know, I, I believe... Russ Martin addressed it in his press conference is unacceptable and it is unacceptable and it needs to either way whether we speak what we speak about now or the gents and MK Dons you know just sort it out for us and the games it's got to be done as soon as possible and it's unacceptable and we put out a tweet asking people for their opinions on what they felt could be done in terms of maybe what the issues are and how they could be resolved um, there was a lot of talk about mentality and how it's a mentality issue. I believe a good friend of the pod, uh, Jonathan or Harry's on 87, um, said definitely a mentality issue. And I'd hope Russell Martin, with, with Russell Martin being a defender himself uh, by trade when he was a player, he may spend some time with the back line a bit more. Um, I know, and Connor, at ConnorJL underscore, kind of echoed that in a sense. And he, he described it as a black cloud hanging over us, which is an interesting um, way of describing it. And um, at, finally, at Mark underscore LO4 described it as, you know, being too slow, not being prepared for the first few minutes, perhaps. And again, like we did, he highlighted Cargill out. And um, he said he was nearly putting his hair out watching the performance last night, which uh, maybe for the first 45 minutes, um, a lot of us were doing, to be fair. So I'm interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are on it in particular. And I'll, I'll start with you, Ross. What are your thoughts on trying to stop this early goal, early goal rot? Sorry, and you know maybe what maybe what's causing it? I suppose. Yeah, I think um, all the fans were keen to point that out straight off, and um, yeah, I'm not I'm not happy with it. But what you reckon a centre half who's uh, played hundreds of games is going to be happy in Russell Martin? He's not. He 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 knows he needs to stop that. And if he stops that, we control the game at the end of the day. And we saw in the last half an hour what we can do against teams like this. So, yeah, we, I think it's training ground work more than anything. And in the sense of we can't just expect teams to think and um, uh, let us dictate the play. We need to be switched on straight from the get-go at the start. Uh, no lapses of concentration. Everyone be on their feet because of... Sometimes when, once you start a game, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll ease our way into this game, and you're not you're not sharp, you're not you're not thinking right as such. So I just feel like, as as I've said, it's it's a bit of a mentality issue, but we can change it like that if only if the players are switched on from the get go. Yeah, I mean, I feel the past 
the, the past two games in particular, obviously Hull and Shrewsbury, we've seen a different approach from opposition the first five, ten minutes. I felt there's been a lot more high pressing than it usually has been. And of course, with the style of total football we like to play, it's we are creating our problems for ourselves from the get-go. And obviously, we're seeing that in the goals conceded. And I was wondering, Joe, whether you think maybe a change of approach for that first 10 to 15 minute spell is perhaps needed? Yeah, it's weird because both of the goals, I, th- I feel like we're a little bit different. I feel that the Shrewsbury one was just, we, 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 we were in possession and we were in Shrewsbury's half. We gave the ball away and it was almost, it, it, was, it, was, it was all about transition. Just people weren't getting back fast enough. We weren't in our, we weren't in the defensive positions ready. And it was just, it was almost like, oh crap, they're attacking. That's not meant to happen. We, we, we should, we're, we're the ones that should be, you know, having the ball. And it, it, they just looked a bit shocked for the first goal. Just, it, it, and I feel the whole one was, because we we started brilliantly at home. We, we, we controlled the game. And that one I feel was just, it was just a sloppy goal to give away. I think Russ said that himself in, in his interview. And I feel like sometimes we just feel that we need to play ourselves into the game because, you know, I feel we always come, like the last 15 minutes of the first half and like the last half an hour of the second half, I feel we're always looking really comfortable and we're playing some great football, we're getting chances. But in reality, I just feel we, we don't have that. We don't, we don't have hours and hours to play ourselves into games. And I think it's... It's almost just, just in, in that split second transition, you just need to be ready to go from attack to defence and, you know, vice versa. Because at Sunderland, we were brilliant at doing it the other way. We were brilliant at getting the ball and straight away turning it into attack. And But there's also, I think, going the other way, when you're attacking, you need to, you know, be aware. And, you know, chances are with the style of football we play, if the pass does get cut out, it's going to be in quite either quite a dangerous position or it's going to be a potentially, uh, it's going to be a position where some of our players are maybe, you know, maybe you've got Warren, who's quite high and on the right. You've got Keogh, who's maybe split to create an angle. And so there might be holes. So we just got to be ready as soon as, if we lose the ball, ready to, to, to get back into position and hopefully thwart the attack. Yeah, I mean, Ross, I know you spoke a lot about mentality. Do you believe there's an element of nervousness in, the, in that first period? As you know, we've, Typically, we have been conceding goals in that first 15-minute spell. So do you think that the players are going into the game, maybe not intentionally, but are just nervous in general in terms of trying to play this total football from the minute one? It's quite hard to explain, but yes, there's an element of nervous um, in their game. But I feel like, we're, what, we're 10, 10, 11 games into the season now. I feel like there's only so much uh, nervous you can actually have before a game. I feel like the experienced heads of Keogh, um, I know Louis weren't playing last night, but Louis can be, be involved in this, and Cammy Jerome especially. I feel like the, them players have got to teach these younger lads, um, Matty Sorinola, Yukusumus, on how to control the game. And I just feel like, yeah, there's a element of nervous in it, but I feel like the players um, feel like they have to make an um, impression straight away, um, go into that, as you say, that total football uh, mode as such. But as I said to Joe, I said maybe just ease into the game as it into the first five to ten minutes. Yes, we're not going to like it, but 
I'd rather ease into the game than give the game away and it will be already chasing going into the next, what, 25 minutes of the first half. So I just feel like, yeah, we just we just need to settle in the game first, then we can go and dictate the play. Yeah, I agree in terms of... So go on, Joe, you can say something? Oh. No, no, you, you go first, mate. I've just got a point to add on. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, no worries. Um, no, I think I would say that perhaps a change of mentality the first 10, 15 minutes is warranted now. It's all well, it's all well and good saying you're going to address it and say it's unacceptable, but at the end of the day, like those those nerves are always going to be there. I think, especially with younger lads. And yeah, Ross mentioned about like you know the need to teach them how to control the game, but you know if you're literally getting pressured from minute one, then I tell you what, you're going to need some nerves of steel in order to get through that sort of period in the game and really try and control it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to a change of mentality. And as you said, Ross, people may not like it, but I'm sure they'll like the three points if we get them uh, every every other game, mate. That's the um, issue. Joe, what what that's the issue which I, I couldn't get my head around last night. If we won that game, all of our fans would have went from negativity to positivity. And that's my argument. We were dominating that last 30. And in another game, we would have, we probably would have t- took it with the Morris chance. If fans were there, we'd have won. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. I just feel like people are jumping straight to the gun. And I'm not labelling anyone, but all this negativity towards the so-called process, um, what, what do they expect? It's going to happen within five games and we're going to be top of the league um, with the best goal difference and the best clean sheet. No, no, no. We're going to have bumps in the road. We're going to have blips. And we've just got to wing it all out. Because it's all, as we say, it's all part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah, I think what one thing is, uh, that's quite interesting, I can't remember whether it was either last season or the season before, but we had a chronic issue of conceding late goals. We conceded so many and threw away so many leads. And it's almost the opposite now. We're finishing strong. And it's almost, I almost feel that, uh, it's 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 easier to fix the stuff at the beginning, like you say. It, you know, we can't afford to just play ourselves in. It's just got to be right. Come on, from the minute go, you know, no messing about. We get through, the, you know, and, and impose ourselves on the game straight away. And um, I, I, yeah, I just feel it. The the longer the games goes on, the better we look. If the games were 180 minutes every week, we'll probably win most of them. Um, but but unfortunately, it's not like that, and we're being punished early on in games. And it can't be a lack of preparedness because we're probably one of the most in-depthly coached teams in the league. And it's it's just brushing up on those details, and whether that's something the coaches have to go through with the players, or whether it's something the players have got to take upon themselves and accept a bit of you know responsibility there because you can do something all week, but if it's thrown out the window within the first thirty seconds, it, it, it's uh, it's not very helpful, and you're you're climbing the mountain from minute one. Yeah, I mean I can agree with that, Joe, and hopefully they address it pronto. Um, because it needs to adjust really that, that quickly. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to see a bit more positive now. And um, obviously, with all, the, with all the team selection that went on and maybe some players that should have started that didn't, um, it was kind of a substitutions to the rescue type of night. And um, 
me in particular, I felt um, Kaz and Morris, who both came on, obviously Kaz came on a lot earlier than uh, Carlton did, but for me, they both really rescued this one and really got us at something from nothing. I felt both were pretty dominant in their performances, you know, thanks to the past maps from that diamond formation or Brad, um, who you know, just sees every single game we play. Um, so you should really check out his content. He's brilliant in terms of the speed he does it and depth he goes into. It's absolutely amazing. And, you know, Kaz and Carlton both had passing accuracies north of 77%, which is based off what the team was doing really high. Um, and obviously Cartman got his goal and was pretty instrumental in terms of creating this second chance for Jerome. And obviously Kaz um, did what Lassa couldn't do in terms of really now down that pivot role and stop us from, you know, conceding more goals as you know, Lassa looked fairly uncomfortable in that position on his own. And um, yeah, I was really impressed. And yes, should they have started the game from minute one, potentially, but the, th the thing is they were brought on eventually and, they did get us, as I said, something out of nothing. And I was, obviously, I was pleased from basically how we started the game, but I was overall happy. Uh, Joe, were you happy as well with how those two guys performed? Yeah, and I mean, we said it We said it at the start. I don't think the reason, I think, especially, well, especially Kasumu, I don't think Kasumu was dropped. I think it was... He needs a break. He plays in midfield. He's probably one of the most physical areas. He's going back and forth all the time. Probably one of the most physical areas in the pitch. And I feel that like, he just he just he, he was a plug. He, he was almost like the just glue. And as soon as he came on, you know, it just calmed down a bit. We were able to just thwart some attacks. Kasumu, one thing he's really good at is just getting the ball on the half turn, winning a foul, just taking the pressure off for just five seconds. It's it's like game management that. It's so weird because our squad, we've got a mix of, you've got like a few 34-year-olds who've been there, done it at the top. And then you've got a load of, you know, 20 to 23, 24-year-olds. We don't really have many sort of players in their mid-20s. And so sometimes there is a little bit of naivety with the players, but I thought it was really mature for performance from Kasumu. And I feel that from then, Morris, when Morris came on, I, I feel Walker was okay. I feel he was a little bit wasteful in possession, but he, he looked fairly threatening when he was on the ball. Um, but I thought with Morris, he, you had that presence. So if you did want to potentially play a ball into the channel, which we did, or you need someone to come deep, just lay it off quickly, run in behind. And he was he was lively and he just, he made things happen. And just his, sometimes his movement, his unselfish movement opened up spaces for others. And I, I feel that both of the, and. I feel, I feel you've got to credit Russ for that. It's, you know, okay, we started the game awful. You, you know, you, some people might blame Russ for that, but you, you've got to give credit where it's due. And at the end of the day, he's, whatever the cause of the first half's performance was, it's been spotted, it's been rectified, and we've actually, you've got something to show for it at the end of the game. So I, I don't think that that can be ignored. Yeah, I think the nice thing with Kaz as well was that he seemed to really work with um, the new signing Sermon and uh, Fraser quite well. And when he came on, Ben Gladwin, I felt like it was a nice compliment. And we had each player sort of had their role in the midfield and they weren't afraid to just stick to that role and, you know, try and keep the pressure on Shrewsbury, who, of course, took an early lead and were looking to, you know, maintain that. Um, Ross, what were your thoughts on, you know, Kaz and Morris last night and how the substitutions kind of played out in the end? Um, with the Kasumu um, form um, substitution, sorry, 
I felt it was a very brave one from Russ and uh, Luke Williams in the sense of they could have waited till half time to make the change and um, they could have uh, hold fire as such and uh, ease it out till half time. But no, he was like, no, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to change the game. And it, it takes some bravery and courage to, to actually do that as a manager. And Lust will understand. He knows what why he's been took off. I'm sure. Um, Russ probably ex- explained explained to him. Sorry. So I just feel like, yeah, you've got to credit Russ in in his substitutions. But I feel like the Morris substitution, on the other hand, I feel like he's um, reignited a spark and that fire inside him. So I'm hoping the next few weeks. I know that there's competition for places up top. But if he performs like that and he holds up the ball, like every, everyone says that he, he's not really a team player as such on uh, social media also. But I feel like yesterday he was holding the ball up, offloading it to, uh, to the wings. And he was getting inside the boxes also. So I just feel like if he carries that performance up, he, he can't be dropped. Yeah, I think maybe that's something we didn't mention in a previous segment regarding the um, early goal, bro. In terms of there's so much competition for places, as you mentioned, Ross, and uh, there is that pressure to perform well. And maybe we saw that for a few individuals last night who perhaps aren't in the team all the time and they felt that pressure to really do well. Um, and, you know, some maybe some players didn't perform exactly to how they standards usually are. And maybe that was to, that was to do with pressure. Um, obviously, we don't know the players personally, so we can't ask them ourselves. But, um, you know, we're just throwing that idea out and... But it's always good to have competition for places. Um, and I'm sure we'll see, I'd expect, a fully strength team against Barnet to try and correct this performance and, you know, give what we had in the second half against Shrewsbury more for the whole 90 minutes against Barnet. Speaking of Barnet, um, as we mentioned, we're playing them on Sunday in the second round of the FA Cup. Obviously, we took, uh, well, easily took us the penalties in the last round and we... Scott Fraser, the wizard, uh, put us through last round. Hopefully, we'll wrap it up in 90 minutes this time. Um, but, Joe, why don't you give us a bit of background into Barnet and um, what you've, some research you've done on the, the club in general? Yeah, I, and I'd just quickly like to thank... I've got a mate, Hugo, who helped me out on this. He's a, he's a Barnet fan. Uh, so, uh, thanks thanks to him for helping me out on, on a bit of research for Barnet. Um, the, the, similar to us, Barnet have gone through somewhat of a... Change at the moment. They're, they're they're sitting 18th in the conference. Um, they've won two, drawn two, lost five. They've um, only scored eight goals and conceded a whopping 19 goals. So I think we can kind of see where their issues lie there. Um, they've recently changed manager over the summer, as well as losing quite a few prominent players. And um, it's worth noting as well that I think they actually made it into the playoffs um, last season. So they're by by no means were they a uh, you know, a pushover team last season. Um, in terms of uh, the FA Cup, they um, they beat Burton Albion in the last round and they came out, they really attacked Burton, um, went a goal up and uh, th- then they went down to 10 men and defended really well. So I-, I think it shows that they could potentially be a threat and if they do get something, it, you know, they've shown even with 10 men that they can hold on to it. Um, they've got, they've also got previous in the FA Cup um, in the 18-19 season, they uh, beat Bristol Rovers, Stockport, and Sheffield United. So it's a, it's a it's this club that you know likes the competition and won't be afraid to come at us because they've had success in recent years. They've um they've got quite a few good football league players, uh, ex football league players. They've got a uh, Ben Nugent of Stevenage, 
uh, formerly of Stevenage, sorry, Matt Preston of Mansfield, both centre-backs. Um, Wordsworth, formerly of uh, our friends AFC Wimbledon. And um, they've got JJ Hooper. And uh, one of the notable ones that uh, Hugo pointed out was a Petrasso. He's um, a Canadian winger, formerly of QPR. He, he's played for Notts County uh, in, in on loan before, and he, he's a really tricky winger, and he, he could pr- pose problems. Um, in terms of how they play, they they do they do like to play play it out from the back, uh, as you've mentioned, and they they they, they like to go f- through the midfield and get it quickly to the forward players. And uh, another player that I've been told to look out for is uh, Mason Clark, uh, who's another winger. So it sounds like that on the counter attack they could pose quite a threat, whether it be yeah through the pace of uh, Mason Clark or, or the skill of Petrasso. Um, what one thing to note: Jimmy Dunn is one of their most influential players, um, and he, he's in that central midfield. And uh, they've been without him recently, but he's he's just come back. So it'd be interesting to see whether he plays because uh, he could be a really really key player. Um, just in summary, I think it's a game we've. We've got to go and try and win in the 90. We've got to try and just put in a solid performance. A clean sheet would be great. And I think that we should be more than capable of doing it. But again, you know, we saw it in the last round of the FA Cup. By no means is it a given. But if we turn up, then I can only see one result for this game. Yeah, we've got to hope the magic of the FA Cup doesn't spring us a far, is it? Um, yeah, thank you as always, Joe, for that. And uh, thanks to Hugo again uh, for helping you out. Um, Ross, I believe you've added some, as usual, some ones to watch in terms of players you wanted to uh, point out. So why don't you take us through those? Yeah, they've got um, JJ Hooper, um, which for some reason just stuck in my head. Um, but he actually did play for Grimsby, um, Port Vale and Northampton. So he's got a bit of EFL experience in him, um, which will uh, provide... Um, some upwards towards their performance on uh, Sunday. But yeah, he's got three goals and one assist in eight appearances this season. And he started in 89% of their games. So he's a key figure in that side. Um, and I believe they brought him in the, in the summer to be interesting to see how uh, he comes across our back line. But I think um, Joe mentioned their club captain in uh, James Dunn. He's a very much a box-to-box midfielder who's in fact from the Arsenal setup, um, And he, I think he got pinched from um, Exeter in the end. Um, but he's, he's very much sort of what Barnett are all about, hard working and um, persistent in what they do. So I'm just hoping that persistent doesn't rub off on Sunday against us. Yeah, I was listening to the Barnett managers um, post-match press conference from the game they played last night and apologies I forgot the manager's name but he spoke how important Jimmy Dunn kind of was to their team and he's thrilled to have him back um, so yeah I expect him and as you mentioned Hooper both to be quite big influences uh, in their game based off both uh, yourself Ross and Joe's comments um, just some extra points from me I don't believe them to be very prolific in front of goal despite all their passing play um, so if you take home games for example excluding the FA Trophy They've only actually scored four goals in six games at home this season. And just for reference, um, they've scored five goals away from home in the four league games. So if they are going to score, I don't think it'll be a lot, unless, as I said, the magic of the FA Cup might rub a, a bit of shine onto the contest. But typically they don't score goals. 
And um, yeah, the, the manager also mentioned how a bit similar to maybe us at the start of the season, they've, they've kind of been playing themselves into their own individual mistakes and it's been punishing them. I uh, we went for a spell at the start of the season with like Doncaster and things like that, where we kind of overplayed our football and that led to mistakes. Some may argue we're still doing that now, but um, they're in that same spell as us. So it could be quite an interesting battle with us to them in terms of how they like to play it out of the back and whether we can actually capitalise on their mistakes and, you know, get a bit of maybe what teams have punished us for previously this season. Um, typically for cup games, you don't usually go through uh, predicted starting 11s because it can be quite unpredictable. But um, Ross, I believe you noted down a potential starting 11 for the game against Barnet. So do you want to take us through it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just went with the starting 11 due to the fact that I don't think this season we've had a complete performance as such. Um, defensively, we, we, I think either we've been defensively um, sound or attacking, we haven't had enough. So I just feel like Rusty Sunday will want a complete performance and uh, send a bit of a statement to the other lads who are maybe sitting on the bench or at home watching. So I've gone with uh, Lee Nichols in goal. Um, I think he played against Eastleigh, if I remember right. Um, and the, I've gone with a, um, the same back line we normally go for in O'Hora, Keo, and Louis. And then I've gone with Paul, Bradwin, Fraser, and Kasumu and Harvey in that midfield. I've gone with Harvey out on the left just because of Sorinola, I think, started the past two games now. So I feel like he's due, he's due a bit of a rest and he more than deserves it. And I feel like this is a perfect game for Morris to, uh, as, I, as I said earlier, to he's got that fire in his belly. Maybe he can uh, let that out in front of goal. And if he's fit, I'd like to see Joe Mason start. I know um, he hasn't had the best of uh, starts to season with injuries, etc. So uh, if fit, I'd like to see him start at top. Yeah, I mean, Joe, um, Ross mentioned potentially seeing, you know, Nichols, Harvey and Mason maybe coming into the squad for this game. Have you got anyone else on your list that you potentially like to see that could be fit and available? Um, yeah, I have. Yeah, I, um, I've put in O'Hora and Louis, but I've also, I, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see someone like a Davies or a Freeman for potentially, I think, I think Keo's our most important defender. Well, I think along with Louis, he's our most important defender. And I think, with Louis having a little break, I wouldn't be surprised to see Keo maybe given a little rest. Um, I've gone for Paul and Harvey. I feel it's such a shame because it's been such a stop-start season for the both of them in terms of um, playing for Dons because obviously they're going away to their national teams and playing completely different systems and it would just be good to just have a bit of continuity. So, you know, if, if I think I'd like to see both Paul and Harvey play. Um, in midfield, I wouldn't mind seeing Houghton. I feel that he's got more than got the ability to just you know sit deep and, and run this game. Um, I think um, I'm glad when he, he didn't start on on the um, on last night. So I'd maybe like to see him come in for Fraser because I think Fraser's been Fraser just looked a little bit knackered last night. I think oh, as well he was almost trying a little bit too hard and he did seem just quite frustrated. I just think just a little rest for Fraser. I think we'll do him the world of good. And he can just come back refreshed and, you know, maybe on the bench if need be, hopefully not, but uh, against Barnett. Um, and then I've also gone for Morris and Mason up top. I think we've seen that Jerome and Walker looks like the preferred preferred uh, two up front for, for Russ, but 
you know, if Morris puts in another performance like the one he did in the in the second half uh, last night, then I've got you know Russell's got a decision to make, and I feel with someone like Mason, he could be really valuable for us. It's, he's he's a sort of striker. He 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 might not do anything for sixty minutes, but then he gets a goal, and he know he, he I know it's a cliche. He knows where the back of the net is. He's 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 been like that his whole career. We've got four very different strikers. I feel you've got Morris who. He, he he sacrifices himself for the team. He he's willing to come deep, play the ball. You've got Jerome always looking to run in behind, but isn't afraid to come deep. And you've got Walker who loves to run with the ball, get the ball deep, run out defenses. And I feel with Mason, you've just got someone there that, you know, he's in the box. He can drag a defender here or there. He can, um, and and I feel that it, he he's a striker which we haven't really seen much of, and that in this system. With balls constantly going in the box, you know that that half yard movement one way to lose defender could, could be crucial. And so I'd I'd love to see him back uh, if available. Yeah, I mean it's been tough. It's been a tough time for Mason Milton. He's done right. He's not really had a a string of games or performances where he's kind of warranted that starting eleven spot, especially not over someone like Jerome or Walker or Morris. But yeah, yeah, yeah I feel like this game, as you, you two have mentioned, is kind of a perfect game for him to come in and you know maybe. At the very least, see some more minutes and get some fitness up, and uh, you know, try and fight for a spot in the team. Um, yeah, I think we'll see Daniel Harvey and probably Gladwin, hopefully, in that midfield spot rather than a left wing back. Um, I feel like Gladwin had a pretty positive impact on the game against Shrewsbury last night, and um, you know, with Fraser needing a rest, as you mentioned, um, Joe, sorry, that you know, he's kind of the most ideal replacement with Louis Thompson out at the moment. I know a few people mentioned um, Kieran Agar maybe having a feature on Sunday, but um, I don't see it happening personally. I don't know if um, you two had any thoughts on that, but um, no, I mean, with, with, the, with the four strikers we've got, I just don't see it. And Martin's sort of said he's got a role. I was not sure that role is yet, um, but I don't think it's this game personally. I think, I think I'd say he's probably our sixth choice striker. And 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 I'm not I'm not I'm not. It's, this is just from comments I've heard Russ say because Russ, when Russ talks about the strikers unit, he talks about Jay Bird, he talks about Mason, he talks about Morris, Jerome, and Walker. And I have to say one thing though: it seems as though Cags, although he may not necessarily be in the first team pitch, you haven't heard any sort of uproar by by him him kicking off. And he, he has, you know, if if he's, he just doesn't seem to be in the the manager's plans. And all credit to him for you know he's been tweeting out saying, "Come on, lads!" and and stuff like that. So, I personally, I, I don't think he should play in this game. I feel that, you know, we've got people like Morris and Mason who that they need, they'll benefit from more from this game rather than someone that isn't necessarily in the manager's plans and is probably going to be leaving at the end of the season. I think that's when his contract is up. So, I, I just feel that there's other players that would benefit more from the minutes that this game could provide. Yeah, it's one thing you can't take away from uh, Cagsy. It's his professionalism, right? Oh, uh, you know, yeah. he's you know he's been cheering on the lads every game as far as I'm aware, and you know really want to see him do well. So yeah, I'm really he must be frustrated about not getting the game time, and obviously he's had setbacks with any injuries this season. But yeah, it's good to see that he's fully behind the lads, and throughout his time here, he has been that type of player that I you know you've, you could really connect with at times, despite maybe sometimes his frustrating performances. Um, but yeah, hopefully he gets his chance. Um, but 
I'm just not sure whether Sunday will be it. And at the moment, attack's probably our strongest position. Yeah, <laughs> I know we definitely. were saying the complete opposite last week, but you know, a couple of weeks ago. But at the, you know, in the past three or four games, I think each uh, you know Morris Morris has scored, Walker scored a couple, and Jerome scored two in like the past four games. So each game, each of the last three or four games, a striker has scored. It, it's not an issue at the moment, the forward line. And so I don't think anything drastic really needs to be done. But I think the introduction of Mason would be only beneficial. Also, yeah. I'd like I'd like to mention that Agard's League One record is poor. So I don't know what everyone's uh, raving about it in the sense of uh, him being in starting 11. Fair enough if his stats were decent, but I, I think comparing him to Jerome's, comparing him to Mason's, I think uh, there's classes above, and that uh, I respect Agard for what he's doing in the sense of uh, his role in the squad. But I just feel like uh, Russ has made it clear where where he stands within the squad. Yeah, I think some people's arguments may be that he may suit the system that we have now more than he perhaps has done in previous regimes. Um, which I get that argument, you know, there's a lot of chances created and we've seen a lot of shots on goal, but uh, yeah, as, as Joe said, like with the form of strike force at the moment, it's going to be tough for him to really try and work his way in. If it's tough for Joe Mason, it's going to be even tougher for Kieran Agard. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just finds himself in an unfortunate situation and, um, you know, whether he gets a chance here or a different club, um, you know, there was rumours of him going somewhere else in the summer. Um you know, hopefully he gets that chance and uh, yeah, does well because he's been a really true professional here. So there's no bad feelings for many of us, as far as I'm aware. So, gents, let's get on to our predictions for Sunday afternoon. Um, I suppose I'll kick us off. Um, two teams that are going to play pretty similar style of football. It's going to be about who's going to take control of the game first. And I'd like to think with our better quality of player, you could say, that should be us, really. Um, I'm expecting us to go quite full strength in terms of lineup. Maybe a few changes, but end of the day, it's it's a League One team that we've seen put in performances against the likes of Sunderland and the Ipswich and the Gillingham. So Barnet shouldn't really phase us, despite being on the road. And I'm kind of hoping we'll put in a pretty dominant performance. So I've gone for a pretty confident two 0 MK Dons win. Um, Joe, why don't you give us your prediction for Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I think this game's going to go one of two ways. Um, one, it seems to me that that like Eastley, uh, Barnet want to play attacking football. Eastley did that for ten minutes and then realised that they could not compete with us if they did that, and it turned into it was attack versus defence. And oh, so I feel it's either going to be a cagey one nil, or if Barnet do persist and do try and go attacking. I feel that we could cause them problems if we've got a, a, a strong team out. So I'm going to go. I'm going to. I, I think Barnet may persist with it because, by the sounds of it, they are working their way through a process of their own. And I'm going three-one Dons. Nice, Ross. Why don't you round us off with your prediction for Sunday afternoon? Yeah, it's. it's, it's I think it's going to very much have a cut uh, tie feel about it. But I feel like we've obviously round three. The big. Te- I think the big teams come in. And uh, the prospect of fans coming back also, which excites some people. Um, I just feel like Russ has got to go strong in this sort of game. Um, 
I know we we've mentioned in previous pods in the sense of momentum going into the league. I feel like we've got to build some momentum again after one loss and then a draw against Shrewsbury. I feel, I feel like that there's a statement to be made. So I feel like the the class will prevail in this sort of game, and I've gone with a two one uh, MK Dons win. Nice wins across the board. So we're hoping to get a big draw in the third round, and yeah. Well, when, when was the last time? I was. Just, when was the last time we got to the third round? I mean, I don't know the top of my head. Um, was I, I, can't, I can't actually remember it. Was it? Was it the, the away game at QPR with Us? Would uh, right? Yeah, so two or three years ago. Then. Yeah, three years ago. Or so because I think it was Port. I went to Grimsby away. <laughs> that was a rough one, and um, and then I went. To, <laughs> and I went to Port Vale at home, and that was a loss as well. So that, that's the last yeah. two seasons. So it must have been the season before that, early two thousand. Was it? Was it the the hide the hide game, the hide and then? Um, was it that one? Well, the QPR one, because QPR in the championship. So that must have been round three. Yeah, that yeah, was the game. I'm trying to remember what year it was. Um, it, I think it was it was sixteen, seventeen, or seventeen, eighteen. I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah. So it was the hide one. We had hide first round, didn't we? And we had the flare on the pitch and all that. Yeah, that was fun. That was a, yeah, that was an eventful evening for sure. Yeah, it was, yeah. Especially being on live TV as well. That was interesting. Bumping into Bolliariebi in a self of McDonald's <laughs> at four in the morning. Oh dear. That's for another pod anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll save that story. Maybe if you get through to the third round, we'll explain it then. Yeah, we haven't um, even got through yet, so Yeah, exactly. Let's just wait until we get through first. Yeah, thank you very much for listening to episode 16 of the MK1 podcast. Um, it would be brilliant, as usual, if you could rate, review and subscribe. Um, you know, it, feedback is always good for us, whether it's negative or positive. We can always you know, input that um, in future episodes. And I hope that, you know, we see we're trying to do that, with, especially with maybe the data analysis explanations. Maybe I didn't explain it the best way, but, um, I'm, you know, I hope we'll get better at that. And, you know, if you want, if you want to keep seeing that, then we'll keep doing it. Um, you know, hopefully we get more positive episodes coming soon. Um, a few negative results recently, which is going to reflect on what you know what we say, but we're kind of hoping that the fan base in particular, especially on social media, you know, try and stop dicking certain people out and you know, try and think a little bit positive about it. You know, we're not in a worse situation in the world. Um, could be a lot worse, certainly. And hopefully by the time we get back to the stadium, which sooner rather than later we can all hope, um, we get to see a team that we're proud of and that's the aim of the club at the end of the day to try and get this team where we want to be in terms of higher leagues and playing attractive football. So we'll leave you on that note and come on you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.